Hello, 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 and welcome back to the FLP Corner podcast. I am so excited. I am more excited than every week. I'm like, I'm so excited for this guest. I'm so excited. I have Carly and Katie from We Talkers on. I was telling them before we started recording, I literally saw We Talkers my first day probably on Instagram as an SLP, and I was like, this is so cool. I was just so into it, and then I found out um, cause I think it was just Carly then and Carly was living in Vancouver and I was like, I live in Vancouver. We talkers <laughs> in Vancouver. It gave me like so much inspiration. And then Carly got me an in with speech meta to get an interview there. So I'm just so happy to have you, you Aww. both on this podcast. So welcome to the podcast. You both can introduce yourself and then we're going to dive into our topic for today. Sure. Gosh, thanks, Shannon. We're so excited to be here. We're big fans of your podcast and all the work you're doing. And we just love that you kind of share your journey along the way. We would have loved that even more like as new SLPs. So we just love that you're putting that out there, encouraging others, sharing what you're learning as you go um, and just collaborating with other SLPs. We think it's so great for our profession. And that's you know, why we wanted to reach out and just like have a little chat today. So we're honored to be here. So I'm Carly and I've been a pediatric speech language pathologist since 2007. I've worked in a variety of different settings, um, schools, hospital clinics, and then most recently focusing just on We Talkers, which we do a lot of parent education. We create courses and memberships to help families um, support their child's language development right from day one. We have things for babies, toddlers, and preschoolers. And yeah, it's super fun. This is Katie. Hi, I'm Katie and I live in Tempe, Arizona. Um, and Carly and I met on Instagram of all places. Um, I have been a speech therapist since 2011 and um, I worked in schools and a children's hospital and some clinics. And then I had a private practice called Talking Littles that was super fun. But Carly and I joined forces in 2020, 20. right? During mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, and so my sole focus is we talkers as well now, but um, we definitely have experience in different different areas. So it's fun to have been able to speak to different experiences. I had totally assumed you guys were both always pediatric SLP, but I I had no idea you both had experience in hospitals as well. That's really cool. Yeah. My, my experience was just in the children's hospital. I had some internships in the um, acute setting for adults, but it made me really sad. And I just felt like pediatrics made me feel happier. So that's where I landed. Yeah. I feel you. Um, but it's kind of nice sometimes with the adults and like having them like yeah. <laughs> have a conversation, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love pediatrics. Okay. So today we're going to be talking all about the pandemic and the effect that it's had on the kiddos who are seeking services on the wait lists. I think this is such an important topic because it's something people are still talking about. It's not like it's just stopped. Like the pandemic is kind of over and everything's back to normal. It's had a huge impact on the kids that we're working with and the Mm -hmm. families and 
I know like even I'm working in a school now and the teachers are always like, oh, this child hasn't seen kids for two years. You know, they're having all these challenges because they haven't been around other kids or like this toddler wasn't able to get an assessment. It's still a conversation. I'd love to hear your perspectives on the effects that it's had on service delivery for toddlers and families. So we're super excited to chat about it, especially with your audience, because we definitely don't consider ourselves the authority on the fallouts of the pandemic, but we do have some thoughts and find it super interesting. Um, Kind of how this all came about was I have just like experienced other mom friends say things like, well, they're a late talker because they were born during the pandemic. They didn't see people. Um, I was their only social interaction. And so they kind of blame a lot of challenges on solely on the pandemic. And then I had a professor friend reach out um, and ask me to speak to a small group of early interventionists about the pandemic and like kind of thoughts surrounding that. So Carly and I have been tossing around a bunch of thoughts and ideas and um, we're excited to chat about it. So when we look at the research, it's kind of all over the place um, from there wasn't much of a change pre and post pandemic all the way to like kids are nearly twice as likely to have delays in social and communication um, compared to kids who were born pre-pandemic. And so that's quite a variety. Um, and we we aren't going to chat too much about the research today because it's, it is so varied, but we know that it had an impact. Like we know that the pandemic has had an impact in one way or another. Anecdotally, we're hearing like first grade teachers say that these are like the lowest uh, standard scores that they've had in reading in a really long time. And the backlog of therapy is just unreal. And I don't know what Canada is like, but in the US, I know like we're still months out from assessments and just trying to catch up. What is it like in Canada right now? Shannon can speak on private practice because she works in a private practice in the same city that I live in. But I reached out to my good friend because I used to work in public health, which is um, for those of you that are in the U.S., it's like free publicly funded services for kids ages um, birth to five. So my friend who works in that setting in Vancouver, she was saying there's currently a seven month wait list for the center that she's at, which is a lot longer than it was before. Like last time I had spoken to her, she was like, oh, we're always trying to keep it under three months, which in my mind is still like kind of a long time just in, you know, in case other referrals need to be made and then those take time. Um, So yeah, they're definitely seeing a backlog in public service. What about at SpeechMeta? Can people get in private right away? I think public would be more telling because in private, if we don't have space, which we we don't have a lot right now, then we automatically just refer them to a different clinic because we're like, we don't want a wait list ever mm-hmm. because that's, you know, public. Yeah. Different. So private, we just are like, we don't want a wait list. We'll refer you on. But I know for like to get an autism assessment, which often goes hand in hand with a late talker because the pediatrician might say, oh, okay, we'll refer you to SLP. We'll refer you to maybe like Sunny Hill, which is a place where you can mm-hmm. get that is bigger than ever, longer than ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah really unfortunate, especially when obviously we know that early intervention is so valuable and we feel like that's a really important role for SLPs to continue to educate on. And it's like a big thing of what we do every day is trying to raise awareness about that, raise awareness about our profession as a whole as well and what services are available, but then families go to try to access them and then they can't always. 
Right. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of the, the interesting thing too, is that during the pandemic, parents were on their phones more than they ever were just because they were seeking like some kind of connection and some kind of interaction with somebody, but the parenting space on Instagram has quite exploded and there's accounts for everything that you could ever want to know about your child and their development. But with this increased awareness, which is great that parents have like that access to information, it's wonderful. But then it causes some concern in families who, okay, great. I know what these milestones are. I know my kid's not meeting them. I know I need a speech assessment. And now I have to wait for however many months. And I feel stressed out about that because I feel like they're saying I need the support and I don't have the support. And so that's kind of why we created Talk Toddler in the beginning. Um, talk Toddler is our is our um, online course for parents of toddlers who want to help their kids talk and communicate more. But before it was totally that, it was like a community online of parents who had concerns. Um, Carly and I speak and have spoken at parent baby groups often, and those weren't happening. Um, and so we were kind of like, how can we take this? idea and make it accessible during the pandemic and, um, and reach more people. And so we started this like online community and we were floored at how many people wanted to be part of it. Um, and just, it was a way for moms to connect and to like learn some things along the way and get a little bit of support. But since then the online space has continued to be something that parents are accessing Um, not just like the one-on-one speech therapy because they're not able to get it all the time. What do you think about how the CDC changed their milestones? So yeah, I think that that causes a lot of confusion. I think that SLPs are saying, these are the milestones, these are the averages. And then the CDC says, actually, these are the, this is what you should look for. And this is when you should be concerned. And they're not always the same. And that causes just uncertainty and a lack of clarity that I think parents are really looking for. Um, And so I think that Carly and I are of the opinion that it doesn't, the milestones matter. Of course they do. But ultimately we want to look at the function of things. Is the child having a hard time communicating their wants and needs and their thoughts and ideas to the people around them? And if they are, then that family needs support. Like maybe the child doesn't need one-on-one speech therapy. Maybe they just need some parent education or maybe they need a few coaching sessions and that's plenty. Or maybe they need two years of speech therapy. Like it's definitely varies across kids, but um, I feel like our profession hasn't done the greatest job at the prevention side of things. Like we're really good at the intervention. And I think in school districts, we've tried a little bit to be proactive, like with response to intervention and um, some other programs. But ultimately, I think our field as a whole, we kind of get in after there's concern. We're not, we're not always there for the preventative side of things. And that's why, that's why what we do at We Talkers is, is important to us because we reach an audience of people that like everybody needs to know how to read to their kids. Everybody needs to know how to sing and interact and play in a way that promotes connection and communication. Um, And that wasn't necessarily available to a lot of families prior to like these social media platforms. I mean, they definitely were with like music classes and like library story times, 
but the pandemic um, definitely decreased those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I remember I was on one of my placements in Summerland, which is like this small town um, in the Okanagan, like the wine country area of British Columbia. And it's very small town and they have one SLP for like multiple towns. And I remember one time we went to this like library story time information session and the parents were so excited. And mm. there were a few kids that I spotted and I was like, mm, I think those kids, they're a little bit delayed or, but oh, even the parents who their kid was like, they're communicating right on track for everything. The parents were so excited to just know more. And mm. I was like, oh, I wish things like this existed more. And like, I've been working now and I haven't done anything like that. It can be challenging to organize all those things. So it's so true that the social media side is so helpful because when you have all the information and you have all these ideas, it's so soothing to any anxieties you might have with your children, especially if it's like your first child. Yeah, we would often be thinking that when we would were doing one-on-one therapy, we'd be like, our friends with kids would totally benefit from knowing this, you know, all all parents. And that's what really got us out with speaking in the community and offering so much more online. So hopefully people can access information from anywhere. Like just today, um, we did a live story time. We have like a membership. We call it our songs and stories membership where families can watch us um, singing simple songs and rhymes and reading books to kids. And we make these videos. And today we did a live one and there were families with us from Switzerland and like Northern Alberta, um, where else, Katie, California, Utah. Utah. And yeah, it's just not everybody has that in their community. Like you were saying, there was something in Summerland and it was like this one thing and it was like a big deal for people to go. Well, what if that's during someone's nap time? Or what if that mom just had a baby and they can't get out of the house with their toddler to do anything? So we hope we can like bring that to them. Um, even though, I mean, we love coming together in real life so much and we still continue that part of what we do. But like at the same time, um, technology allows us to like expand so much more yeah. beyond our therapy room walls. Yeah. And I think that like parents are just really post post pandemic, still kind of in the pandemic. I don't know where we're at right now, but, <laughs> but, but I feel like they're just more than ever. There's just a desire to connect with other people in the same boat who are sharing a shared experience, I guess. I think that the pandemic really affected feeling isolated and they didn't have the support from friends or family that they would have had, had it been normal. Um, and so I think that there's just, even though the research isn't super conclusive about, about the fallouts of the pandemic, we do know that COVID impacted family dynamics and mental health and childcare, which resulted in screens as babysitters quite a bit out of necessity. I mean, parents had to figure out how to work and keep their kid occupied. Like it was not an easy spot to be in. Um, but the screen time definitely went up a ton. Um, I, for my own kids for sure. And, and a lot of other people I know. Um, and then the opportunities for socialization for babies and toddlers and their parents. I mean, there's just so many contributing factors to COVID and what it meant for families. So the pandemic shook things up for sure. 
Yeah, and we definitely think that, you know, the mental health of the parents could definitely play a role in in language development, obviously, because there has to be that connection piece, that back and forth interaction. And if you're feeling very burnt out, overwhelmed, stressed, it's hard to show up in a way that you're present for for your child. Um, so we think that that potentially could play mm-hmm. a role as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing parents say this a lot and I'm hearing teachers say this a lot. They're delayed because of the pandemic. What would your answer be to parents who are feeling like their child might have language delay because of the pandemic. We know as speech language pathologists that you can do all the right things. I'm doing my little quotes. You know, speech language pathologists have kids with speech and language delays and disorders. It's not that they're not doing enough. There's a genetic component. There's also environmental factors, but some kids are just wired differently and that's okay. But what I would say to that parent usually, and we get DMs like this all the time, emails, it's because of this or that, you know, when it comes down to it, we don't really care as the therapist, like the main cause, we're not going to spend our time trying to figure that out. So we usually just will say to the parent, like, yeah, that like totally validate. That was such a hard time. Like we totally get it. And then just say, you know, let's just look at where they're at now and help them get to that next step. We love encouraging parents to meet their child where they're at and helping them understand the steps that would be needed to kind of get to that goal. For us and a lot of families that we interact with, they always want their child to to talk or to talk more. We have to explain, you know, all the pre-linguistic um, milestones we look for, kind of these foundational skills that will play a role in that child's ability. We encourage families a lot to take a step back from focusing focusing on words with toddlers and, you know, focus on some of those skills. Meeting them where they're at is kind of what we would say. Do you want to add anything to that, Katie? I don't think it's a new thing that parents are coming in trying to find the cause, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it wasn't the pandemic before, it was something else. I had one mom that was the sweetest mom ever, but she's like, I worked with a kid with apraxia when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I think that's why she has praxia. And I'm like, well, it's not like that, but like, they're just so desperate to pin down a reason. Um, I think that's really natural to want to do. So Mm -hmm. I think that right now what we're hearing is the pandemic as that reason. But before that it was like, you know, red food dye or like, there's just, there's always something that might be valid and like might contribute. Okay. But the focus is on the support, this the focus is on the intervention. The focus is on like helping the families feel empowered and confident. But I think that's hard for parents to just not have something to pin it on. So, yeah. and we totally get that. I mean, Katie mm-hmm. and I, we have six kids all, you know, between the two of us and all kinds of little things. Like mm-hmm. I'll be like, like, Oh, my daughter did this, this, this. Oh, it's probably because we didn't blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we blah, 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 blah. But then you have two kids and you really realize wow, these people come out really how they are. Like so much of them is just who they are, you know, their strengths, their areas of need, just like us, you know, as, as adults. So I think it's just part of parenting and it's totally understandable because it's stressful. It's stressful to know your child needs help. And Mm -hmm. I totally get that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think this is important discussion because it's just coming up a lot. Katie, I didn't touch on this, but you said previously when we were talking about the CDC, you were like, 
we're more concerned about the function. Are they functionally able to communicate? Are they able to get their needs met? And I love that as a focus. It's like, we're meeting them where they're at. We're not overly like, how did this happen? We know it's a multitude of factors. Um, And some kids just need like a little bit more language stimulation. They need a bit of a magnifying glass on like language. Um, Just like other kids need that on different things. Um, We know that. And we're more focused on, can they functionally communicate? Are they getting frustrated? And I do find parents actually, they're often focused on that too. Like I'll see parents come Mm -hmm. in and their biggest concern is like, oh, my child is crying all the time. And they're not as focused on like, they're this much delayed. They're just like, they totally literally can't communicate. They cry every time they need help, you know, which is nice to see that they also, I find are often focused on that functional communication, which is good. I feel like the kids who are like laid back, I don't know if you see this in the clinic at all, but sometimes I feel like the kids who are laid back and like, they're fine with like their parents, like picking out the color cup they have, or like, you know, taking the toy and going to something, a different toy. Like they're fine with that. I feel like those kids don't come to see us quite as early as the kids that are super frustrated because (laughs) it's like not really a problem to that family yet. You know, they're like, well, they're laid back. Chill. Yeah. Going, you know, that's so true. It's like, yeah, you're like, no, like I'm, I need to like get this out. I need yeah. to be delivered. Yeah, yeah. I always tell parents it's like kind of a good problem to have sometimes when they're frustrated because it's like they are they're motivated to like to change things a bit. Totally. <laughs> I would always say that too. I'm like, it's good. Like they're initiating like they're you know, they they have a thought they're trying to communicate, which yeah. is you know, not not the case for every kid. So, right. Yeah. That's so true. You guys are so positive. I always love your page because it's so positive the way you communicate and the way you communicate to parents, even the way you word things. I don't even know like how conscious it is, but you're so positive in the way you talk about all these things. It's probably really comforting for parents. Okay. So now that we've talked about the impact and we've talked all about (laughs) the pandemic, the topic everyone loves to talk about, let's move to some ideas for moving forward. I'd love to hear your guys' solutions and ideas for families. Okay. I wish we were on like a Zoom call with 50 other speech language pathologists because I feel like everybody has so much to contribute, different ideas. I'm sure there's places out there, you know, are doing things we haven't even heard of before. So we definitely don't have all the answers, but we love to like think outside the box and kind of think of how parents could be supported um, during a time where maybe a need is identified for their child or they're worried about their child. Um, So we'll just share some examples that we've seen and kind of what we offer as well. So in Vancouver, for example, with the public health, they do offer a group while families are on the wait list. And I'm sure they're doing this, you know, in communities all over the world. that might help families um, who are seeking early intervention services to learn more about kind of some general strategies and things that families can be doing at home. Because sometimes we really see if families tweak just a couple things um, that a big change can be made. I'm always surprised when new families come to see me. It's like, you know, Maybe they haven't even thought of getting down on the floor with their child or slowing things down a little bit or following their lead and play, things that we as SLPs kind of take for granted and just think, oh, everybody knows this. So we think that parent education can play like a huge um, role in helping get the ball rolling. And, you know, it also can help families realize like, 
I do need one-on-one support and kind of just help transition into that. For sure. And I know in the U.S., like those groups for wait lists, um, they're hard to actually execute because insurance doesn't really do a great job in the U.S. at paying for preventative things. Um, But I was thinking the other day, like, it'd be a great project for a grad student to like go to some doctor's offices and like give a little presentation on, you know, what you can do at home to like increase language skills. Like Carly was saying, like getting down on the ground and like um, showing interest in what they're interested in, like just basic things. I'm like, oh, grad students could do that. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. It'd be a great project. I mean, they have a ton to do. They're pretty busy, but it would be an idea because insurance is definitely a barrier in the U S for these types of things, but I'm glad that they're doing it in Canada on the regular. That's great. In Vancouver, we're really lucky because there's lots of cool, like fun mom groups that are like available to anybody. And like you, Katie too, in, in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I speak at a group called modern milk and it's like, it started as like a breastfeeding support sort of group and it's grown into like there's an OT that speaks and like a speech therapist and a PT and like a sleep mm-hmm. person and parents have access to so much information but i'm just thinking about like especially at clinics maybe like where there's a wait list if yes. like a grad student or an intern could like just have a group like once a month where they teach some of these things like that'd be great practice for a grad student and would be super helpful for parents that's such a good idea when i was a grad student i would i would do anything to like right. have I would literally have done anything to have right. experience. Yeah. And it's like insurance shouldn't be the barrier to like, you know, people getting the information they need, but we just have to be creative about solutions. And that's where like, you know, we're excited to see if anybody else has some, has some good ideas. Another thing we've thought about a lot that I know Carly said you guys do in Canada more so than in the States is more of an episodic care model where like, you know, you see a family for a few sessions and then you kind of let them go with the strategies for like a month or two and then they come back and you kind of do another round. Whereas in the US, a lot of times it's like, okay, everybody gets therapy one time a week for the rest of your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to like break parents of that kind of lifeline. Um, And not not every kid needs that. Some kids do, but but not everybody does. Yeah, and in Canada, like, I know public health, they'll often be like, okay, we're going to give you, I don't know, what is it like six sessions or something, a chunk, but it would be Mm -hmm. so nice to do it like that, where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're introducing these strategies for you. You go home and practice them. We'll see you in a few weeks and we'll see how it's going versus like pouring all this information in and then like, good luck or you can be privately. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think it was really nice um, when I worked in public health to be able to do that. And you could kind of ask the family, which is, you know, family-centered care, right? Like, how are you feeling? Like, when would you like to come back? Like, and working with them and kind of coming up Mm -hmm. with a plan. It got tricky sometimes when you're like, oh, the child really needs it. And the family, you know, I mean, there's the whole range. There's the people that never want to let you go. They want you to be their SLP forever. And then the people who are like, okay, like we're good. Or, you know, maybe they have four kids or they're super busy. Their schedule's life. So, and they can't always mm-hmm. make it in, like finding these different solutions. Um, yeah. You know, even like a phone check-in. I, I love that things on Zoom became more normalized during mm-hmm. the pandemic as well. It's like not everybody needs to drive across town to like have a quick check-in or, you know. Right. So. Or to ask a question. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I would do that a lot when I would let 
when I would let kids go, like, and the parents were so nervous about it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to write your discharge summary. You call me in a month and you let me know how you're feeling. You know, it was like this, like slow wean off of therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, which some families just need the support. And like, and that's why we, that's why we started Talk Toddler. I mean, just to give families, it's not one-on-one therapy by any means. And if anything, I think that it has provided insight to a lot of families who didn't think that they needed therapy to like, oh yeah, you do, you do need that one-on-one support. Um, but it's been so nice to just offer some really like generic to us strategies, but like life changing to them Mm -hmm. and then be able to be there for questions that they have that come up and, um, be able to support them that way. If you're new to us, Katie's talking about our talk toddler course. So we think it's a great solution for, um, families with children ages like one to three who aren't meeting milestones or, you know, they're just like a little bit behind and need an extra boost. Um, it can be a great way for parents to learn about like all the pre-linguistic skills or activities to do, learn vocabulary building strategies that you know, we're all about making it like super easy into daily routines. And our course has like videos of real parents who two of them are like real clients of Katie. So that was really cool to include them in it. And, um, and yeah, yeah, we have, we offer support with it too. It's like optional if people want to come to like, we have zoom Q and A's and we have a private Facebook group and all that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice for families who are like on the wait list or, um, a lot of families are in speech therapy and like, it's the situation like where they go back and the parent doesn't go back and they're not really sure what happens. Like, you know, there's different levels of communication, um, between different speech therapists. So some families are felt a little bit like, I don't know what they're doing. And so we always encourage them to chat with their therapist, but we offer some support as well. So. I think that would be such a nice option for private SLPs because a lot of parents, they can't get in anywhere right now. Our caseload's really full at Speech Meta. And we get so many referrals for these kids who are late talkers um, to start with that. Like that would be a great start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, cause it's how, how is it like, it's not self-paced because it's live, right? How often? No, well, actually the course itself is self-paced. So parents can go through it completely at their own pace. Um, and it's kind of broken down into like, my child's not talking at all. My child has started saying some words, but they need help with building vocabulary. And then when they're ready to move on to like set strategies for building sentences, so they can kind of like watch what pertains to them. And then there's like, worksheets that they can kind of see like, am I doing this yet? Like kind of like Mm self-reflection. So it's completely self-paced and then it's optional to add on like support from us. And then that's in the form of like Q and A's and our Facebook group. And one of the most beautiful things is just help having them get connect, helping them get connected with other families in the same situation. Like Mm -hmm. the way that our members support each other and like you know there's kind of been people with us for a while that are farther along in the journey and then families come in who are like i think we need to go for a speech assessment like they just support each other so beautifully like we're just it's so heartwarming for us to see um and then we off like our songs and stories membership it's a lot of the stuff we were doing in therapy with kids and we just filmed ourselves doing it. Like we loved using music and therapy with little ones. Um, books. 
Books, yeah, books and, you know, simple play ideas. And so we just show that in the videos. Kids can watch it. The families can watch it. The families say all the time, like, oh, I learned how to, like, engage my toddler mm -hmm. because of how you're demonstrating it. So that's another like thing we offer that hopefully can kind of help people along the way. And yeah. it's for like so, you said Switzerland, like this oh, it's Canada. That's amazing. Worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Most of our customers are from the United States, but um, there's people, Australia, New Zealand, you know, yeah. Asia, Germany, Germany, yeah, Canada, all over mm -hmm. Canada. That's yeah, amazing. it's been fun to meet a bunch of different it's, people. And yeah, and that's all those classes are pre recorded as well because of all these time zones and just people's schedule. It's impossible. But we just did a live one like today. We just do it for a fun bonus and we love to meet people. And yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like this is going to be a great thing for especially private SLPs who are working in clinics and the clinic is full and parents are like, I already completed my public health or I'm on the wait list for public health. My child's delayed. I'm so stressed out about it. Where do I even begin? It's like, at least we can, there is something for them to get started with. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that often as a therapist, I was like, there's not enough like parent-friendly resources that people can just turn on and, and go like, even like simple things, like there's more now with like more SLPs on teachers pay teachers and like amazing handouts and stuff, but it hasn't always been like that. So we love to see more SLPs offering education for parents. You know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to do this, like I want to speak at parent groups, like we would love to see that happening more and more. You know, sometimes people DM us, how did you get started? Like we, you know, we'll even do like a consultation with people if they want to, you mm -hmm. know, get started in a similar kind of business that we do. Almost time to wrap up. Do you guys have anything else? you want to share? I think the thing that I think about when I think about the pandemic and just everything that's come out of it is just like being gentle to families, you know, and just being thoughtful about like how hard the past couple of years has been for them and any um support or validation that you can provide just goes so far to these families. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we're so thankful for the work that you guys all do. And yes. Yeah, thanks for having us, Shannon. Yeah, that's what I want to say too. Is just if you're an SLP, if you're a parent listening to this, you're doing an amazing job. Like you wouldn't be here listening if you didn't want to like support kids and families. And so we love that. And yeah, we love to stay in touch too. We, if you're a professional, we have um, like our SLP only email list that we sometimes send things out to or like share about what other people are creating or different like SLP CEUs or, you know, it's kind of random, but if you'd like to join, um, we can give Shannon the link to kind of, um, stay in touch. And if you're a parent, definitely check out our blog, um, full of like parent friendly resources. And SLPs too. I mean, we hear from SLPs too, especially people just starting out that um, they find value in, in the blog. Totally. So. I recommend your page to parents all the time. I'm just like, they are so soothing to listen to. Even I get idea, like I'm an SLP and I watch your stories. I'm like one, just love listening to you guys. <laughs> You're so calm. <laughs> I'm like, not like that. And so when I listen to you guys, I'm like, wow. This is I think that about Carly. I think oh Carly's oh my gosh, no. What I can't, I love it. And I, I 
I'm always like, I find ideas from this and I'm an SLP. So I can't even imagine, you know, like being a parent who doesn't have the SLP background, but yeah, literally the whole podcast. I'm just like, wow, talk more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Shannon, you know, we need to go for coffee. We're long overdue. So we're going to go coffee. You're going to see Shannon and I, we're going to be on the seawall in Vancouver. It's happening. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, Okay. Well, everyone, everyone listening is like, we already follow We Talkers, Shannon. But if you're not following We Talkers, follow them. I'm going to link everything that we referenced in the show notes. So just go there. I'll link the Talk Toddler. I'll link the SLP only thing. (laughs) SLP club. I don't know what exactly that one. Yeah, we Um, need a catchy name. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so I'll link that all in the description below. We talkers Instagram is mainly, right? Yeah, yeah. We talkers.com, we talkers Instagram. We're we're on TikTok. Are you on TikTok, Shannon? No. Well, like no. No, you no. you watch. Yeah, we I'm not like, either, but Carly is. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, basically I just put our reels over there. So I don't really know how to do it. One time I made a TikTok, I was like, hi, like, I don't know how to do this. Like, can you tell me what to do? <laughs> I love that. Oh my god, um, we're there a little okay, bit, guys. TikTok, everyone, go follow them on TikTok. <laughs> You're like cooler oh, than me, and you have no, TikTok now. Yeah, you want to watch some moms like try to be <laughs> try to be young, try to be cool. <laughs> That's what you'll see. <laughs> okay, well, go follow them on TikTok, Instagram. I'll link their website. I'll link the Talk Toddler course. Thank you guys so much for coming on to talk about yeah this important topic that I. I have not talked about, I talked about the pandemic once when it was like one month in and I literally pretended it didn't exist. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's not that fun to talk about. It's kind of, yeah, but I'm glad we had this discussion and yeah. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on guys. Thank you.